Hello and welcome to the Friday the 21st of February edition of the We Gender Dudcast with me, back from my holidays. Mm-hmm. And I'm joined by the wonderful Stuart Baird. Stuart Baird, Stuart Ward. <laughs> so how did I do that? Oh, hybrid of us both, yes. I know, Stuart Ward. No, Stuart Ward. I knew that, I knew that. I was thinking Callum would get mixed up because Callum's a dirty stop out yeah, away on holiday. Exactly. Like I was. So we're just going to spend <laughs> the, next, the next half hour talking about what I did on my holidays. You're holiday more exotic. Yeah, however, I think. Really. Mm-hmm. But it was good. It was mm-hmm. really good. We did lots of things. We went to the Grand Canyon, which is a huge big hole in the ground. Quite spectacular. Mm-hmm. Uh, went to Las Vegas, which is amazingly tacky. Visited a friend in Palm Springs. Went to San Francisco, which is amazing and totally up itself. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, totally. Uh, nearly the average cost of a flat in San Francisco is $1.7 million. We saw an advert, at least at a bus stop, there was an advert for a shared a bedroom in a shared flat, $3,000 a month. That's uh, shocking. ridiculous. They say in San Francisco, if you earn less than 100000 a month, 100000 a year, you're below the poverty line. <laughs> oh, my God. Because accommodation is just so ridiculously expensive there. And we went over the, to the East Bay over in Oakland, and the bar, the, the, the local transport network, the sort of metro thing, uh, it went over some, you know, it's, it's on flyovers, over the other side and it went over some motorway flyovers and there's actual shanty towns actual people living in shacks it's it's shocking Mm. the disparity between the rich and the poor over there and that's what the Tories have in store for us it really is so that's a joy yeah no it was a good holiday and it's good to be home even though the weather's rubbish very rubbish um, quite a lot has happened. I mean, there's just two. I mean, I mean, we've been we've had a wee break, obviously, while that happened, and um, just so much has been going on. Brexit happened. Brexit happened. Yeah. Uh, I think the past tense is break shat. <laughs> I think that's Brexit, probably about right. I think. Uh, uh, where do we start? Should we start with? Well, yeah, we could talk about Brexit actually, because an interesting thing when I came back, we always fly uh, because my my husband comes from Hartford, Connecticut, right. And the only airline that flies direct to Hartford from Europe is Aer Lingus. So we always go via Dublin to go to, mm. to Hartford. So when I came back, we landed at Dublin Airport and I gave the... There was no change, actually, at, the, at Dublin Airport. It was exactly the same as it was before in terms of, you know, immigration and everything. But I gave the Irish immigration officer my passport and I said, here's my crappy Brexit passport. <laughs> and he laughed. And obviously he heard my accent uh, and he said, so when are you having another independence <laughs> referendum? And I says, well, as soon as possible, I hope. I know, as I soon says, as possible. And he says, what do you think will happen? I says, well, I voted yes the last time. And he said, were you surprised by the result? And I went, no, not really. I says, but I'm pretty sure the next time we're going to vote yes. And he said, that'd be the best thing. Oh, So there you go. Immigration officers are saying you need to become independent. That's the second time that's happened. The second Dublin time. Airport. Being told by an Irish immigration officer, yeah, you should become independent. I mean, I mean, it's only this, obviously, we had the visa nonsense with the Tory new immigration policy, Aye. which would, of course, hit Scotland hardest. That was the big news this week, of yeah. course, the Tory immigration policy. Um, and just another demonstration of just how unequal the union is. Oh, well, yeah, but it's, it's, it's driven by headlines in the right-wing English mm. tabloid press. You know, there, there's absolutely no account taken of Scotland's economic needs. Some of the most ardent supporters of Brexit in Scotland, like the head of the Scottish, not the Fishermen's Association, but the Scottish... 
I've forgotten the name of the organisation. Fisheries? It's, uh, it's something to do with the fishing industry, yeah. but he's not actually, he doesn't, I don't believe he represents fishermen, mm-hmm. the fishing industry, but anyway. And he's one of the most vocal supporters of Brexit in Scotland, and he's said that this immigration policy is a disaster for the, the fishing industry in Scotland because fish processing relies heavily on EU labour. And obviously those people aren't going to be there anymore. Uh, Pretty Patel, the Home Secretary, who's a, a perfectly toxic combination of, of stupidity and vindictiveness, said that, oh, but there's 8 million people, economically inactive people in the United Kingdom who can take those jobs. But those 8 million people are made up of retired people, full-time students, uh, people who are chronically sick or disabled, uh, and people who are, you know, unpaid carers. They're not going to, you know, they simply are not the people to take those jobs. So it's just a mess. But what was striking about it was the fact that they never even bothered to inform the Scottish Government. They were told by the press. So much for this respect agenda, Scotland, we love you, lead from within the union. No, and I think I could hear a chorus of people listening to this podcast when you mentioned the fisheries saying, we told you so. Well, exactly. And um, Exactly. I think that as well. Can you just imagine if the UK government had proposed a policy that was unequal in the in, in benefit of Scotland, how their media down south would react? They would not be silent about it. They'd be, Why is England getting treated like this? Or yeah, yeah. And it's just it's, it's it's so obvious and blatant. But it's only one way to sort it out. Well, indeed. And that immigration it's, officer knew it. And it's not by relying on vacant Carlot, the new leader of the Conservative. <laughs> there we go. Scotland. No, it's yes. not. What do you make of vacant Carlot's appointment? Well, okay, it was just—it was pretty obvious it was going to be him. Mm. You know, um, he's not—he he doesn't have a chance in hell of of turning around the, the fortunes of the Scottish Tories. I think Scottish, but we had peak Tory under Ruth. You know, and I think as a politician, I mean, she was very much a media construct, but you can't be a media construct unless you're giving the media something to work on, mm. right? And she was very good at that kind of soundbite, photo op type of politics, is what she was good at. Jackson Carlo just, well, he's, he's not. It, it, it doesn't have the same charisma. Shall, <laughs> it putting it politely, yeah. you know, um, and it, he, he, he's definitely going to struggle. I think to maintain where the party is. Never mind increase its appeal, you know. Uh, so I'm quite pleased about that. And, yeah, <laughs> I'm quite pleased. It's about that. Mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's ugh, the Scottish Tories. I think are just they're. they're, they're we saw them yesterday, you know, that they were asked to defend the Conservatives' new immigration policy, which, you know, all these figures within Scottish business have said as bad for Scotland, and they couldn't even defend it. They didn't bother to show up. Yeah, it's just, no, no, we don't want to make a comment on that. Yeah, didn't no, show If you want to ask us about the SNP bad, you know, <laughs> we'll be all over the news. If you want to ask us about bridge shutting, well, we're, yeah, yeah. we're here. Yeah, exactly, exactly. If you want to go up, tell us about what Nicola Sturgeon must, must resign or must condemn, yes, we'll be there, but no. But you know what I think? I think that you know, there's been a lot of this from the Conservatives. You know, like, I was coming in today and I was listening to a report of the Boris Johnson's refused to go to visit any of the flooded areas in, in England and Wales. This is the second time that he's done this. You know, he's just not about whenever there's a, a national emergency. 
and no one from the Tory party was willing to make a statement about this. And I think really the media needs to start being a bit more hardline with, with these politicians. Okay, so fine, if you're not willing, you know, like to Jackson Carlo, if you're not willing to come and defend, you know, your government's immigration policy, then we're not going to give you airtime when you want to condemn Nicola Sturgeon for something. Yeah, absolutely. You know, because why should it be that you only get, you know, the, the media shouldn't be an adjunct of, of, of you know, a po- of, of, a poli- of a politician's agenda. You know, and I think they need to show to them that there are consequences. If you aren't going to cooperate with us, then we're not going to cooperate with you. But they don't do that. They don't no. do that. No. And is it? And, and is in this instance often the kind of question with these things: is it incompetence or is it um, ignorance or is it outright bias? Which kind of what the immigration policy? Well, the the lack of of, of ability to hold them to account in this, you know. I think it's a bit on the media because they're able to get away with it, hmm. you know. Because I think so many newspapers, because the way that the newspaper business is going, as you all know yourself, you know, it's, it's they don't have the resources that they used to have. So more and more, in order to get political stories, newspapers and the media have to rely on contacts that they have with political parties, which in turn means that they have to maintain good relationships with political parties. So when a political party says, well, OK, we'll feed you this story because it's beneficial for us, then the media leaps on it. But in order to maintain that kind of access, they can't really press too hard when the political party says, well, actually, no, we're not going to put up anybody talk about this particular story because it's bad for us, you know, and the media doesn't push them on it because it doesn't have alternative resources to go and pursue stories in other ways and I think that's dangerous for democracy mm-hmm. It definitely is and I mean, I think it's, it's, it's again a bit more technical but um, you know, the amount of stories that we've run about the Home Office well, yeah. Messing up to use polite, hear friendly words about it, you know, constantly. Well, I think the national's kind of different in some sense because you can sort of you sort of the base assumption that they're not going to talk to exactly. you. Exactly. <laughs> no, this is exactly the point, you know. And, and and the amount of those stories and they're horrifying. And you know, you, you just think, hey, they should be getting more recognition. B, um, this is apparently this is a government who now think they're going to be able to, you know, accurately enforce this new stringent rule set they've yeah. got the innocent people are going to get of course punished as ever by them. but it's not even going to I was, Craig Murray had a very interesting blog about it yesterday and he was pointing out that this new immigration policy I mean basically it's all about pandering to racism mm-hmm. essentially is mm-hmm. what it's about it's about reducing immigration because there have been all these headlines in the tabloid press about you know all these migrants coming over here and it's nonsense, it's racist nonsense but it's been pandered to instead of challenged by the government but this policy, because they want this headline of a points based system, it's not actually going to reduce immigration, it's going to increase it and it's going to increase what you might call visible um you know, it'll be it'll increase the migration of visible minorities as opposed to minorities from, say, Eastern Europe who kind of blend into the white population, and that it, it's going to make things worse in the long term in terms of the, what the Tories are wanting to achieve. You know, but they're doing it again because it provides them with a short-term headline. Mm. 
But what he said was, you know, like Craig Murray pointed out, was that, for example, a business now, because now it will be points based to get into the UK, then if you are a small business owner whose family are from, say, the Indian subcontinent, it will now be very easy for you to say, oh, well, we happen to need a whatever it is your cousin does, uh-huh. you know, and create a job for them and then give them the points that they need to come out of the country. So he says that this will have the net effect of increasing migration into the UK rather than decreasing it. So the Tories are just storing up problems for themselves. They are, and they're creating the worst of all possible worlds for everybody. Really. I wonder which of Dominic Cummings' weirdos came out with this one. Oh, God, yeah, that was a whole eugenics thing that came out this yeah. week as well. I mean, we're living in a country where people are actually talking about this. It's just like, oh, my God. You know, I remember in 2014, and they told us that we we have to stay apart of the United Kingdom because it's the only defence that we've got from political extremism. <laughs> and now we have people in the government, you know, government employees who are actually believing racist nonsense about IQs mm-hmm. and eugenics. I mean, what, the, what have we come and, to? You know, as it was Andrew Lehrman, the National, who kind of broke his Reddit posts and his Reddit history, which were particularly bizarre and creepy and um, yeah, hint, hinted some really, really unsavoury mindset. I did see one very good comment about that, uh, Savisky. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is it Savinsky or Savisky? Savisky, isn't it? Whatever his name is. Uh, and it said that he'd always dreamed that one day he would work in dirt number 10 and that day was one day. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. Uh, you, know, you know, it took Andrew, Andrew said this himself in, one of the, in an interview he did, it took him maybe 10 minutes from, from to track down his history, posting history. Yeah. There's, no, and there's no way, I mean, it was on Dark Queen's blog as well. That, That's the Andrew here. Yeah, the Andrew here, sorry, yeah. And, you know, you just... There's no way that Downing Street didn't know that of this was not. And, the, and this is just it, you know. It's not just that. He also had huge contacts with extreme right organisations, mm-hmm. you know, and the government must have known about that. Dominic Cummings, they must have known about that. Mm-hmm. And, and you have to think at this point, you, know, you see so many in Scottish Labour still saying, you know, saying no to even a referendum and independence. Yeah. This is what you're. This is what you're sticking us with. Exactly. This is what you're sticking us. With. Of course, that brings us on to the next. You know, there's been another brew intervention. <laughs> another Brunhog day. All day. Another one. Yeah, Brunhog day. All right. Uh, today he's now berating the divisions in Scottish <laughs> society, and the way to do, uh, some sort of neighbourhood assemblies that he wants to counter. And he somehow, and has believes that he's the guy to heal these divisions that. He is responsible for creating. <laughs> I'm sorry, but you know you you have an awful lot of responsibility there, Gordon. Hmm. You are one of the most divisive figures in Scotland, and you are not the person to solve these problems. The only way to solve these issues is with the democratic event that you don't want that us you to have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It really is just, and this is, I guess, another example where you know anything Gordon Brown says gets reported on. Yeah. Splashed, you know, you know, but close to that, you know, it gets so much airtime. And why? I mean, he's 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 just he's not relevant anymore. He's just not relevant. No, it's totally. But it's, it's, I don't think there's anybody else left. Really. It's true. You know, I think that was there was always, and this but I'm very interested in kind of time at the moment because there was always a saviour of the union mm, that's, there was yeah, always yeah, somebody yeah. who was touted as this is the person who's going to save the UK and who is that now you know 
who is it? You know, Ruth Davidson's decided that you know she's not going to stand again. That she would rather be in the House of Lords. You know, she's far more interested in her career in PR. Uh, she was the last great hope, you know, to save the union, and she's been replaced by a used car salesman. <laughs> yeah, who can't even sell the, his own government's immigration policy. That's good, mm. and uh, and who's very easy to rail at FMQs as well. Very much so. Very much so, and I'm hoping some of the things we're saying today will do that. Uh-huh. <laughs> and his deputy is Annie Wells. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I mean, what planet is Annie Wells the, the answer? You know, I mean, for God's sake, Annie Wells. The opposition, everyone, right there. And the other, so the other person I can't even remember, and then his, his cabinet is like basically all men. Yeah. Three women. <laughs> So, I think 75% men. Oh, yeah, it's like it's, there's three women and 17 guys, mm. something like that. It's, it's ridiculous. And it's just, what are you for? What's the point? What is the point of your existence? And then, of course, he's going on about, you know, about how he wants to you know, reach out to increase the range of the Tory party and immediately starts off by saying that independent supporters are a cult. Uh, 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 it was stuck with SNP party members as well, wasn't it? Uh, it's just it's an evangelical cult. I'm sorry, but I've always thought the kind of definition of a cult was someone that believes in an unaccountable leader, that can, uh, you know, that, that distant and remote who lays down laws that must be obeyed. And that sounds to me rather more like mm. the, the Tories' attitude to Boris Johnson. Just a little. Than anything about the Scottish. Independence movement, which wants power and accountability within Scotland, uh-huh. but I don't know. I'm I mean, just, a, I'm just a glassy-eyed cult member. Just what a, would I just know? We're indoctrinated, and I mean, it's just, just as you know, Kate Forbes gets promoted to the Scottish government for an excellent performance, and the contrast is quite stark. Yeah, in talent, unfortunately for them. But it's just going to get worse before it gets better. Mm. I think. Um, when I was away, there was, of course, Nicola Sturgeon's speech. Uh, which a lot of people were quite disappointed in because she never gave a firm date for, right, this is how we're going to, you know, it, it was basically more of the same, we must keep building the support for independence. It was very heartening that, you know, we've had yet another opinion poll again when I was away that support for independence is now in the majority, but we're still in the low 50s. But I think, I, said, I remember saying that earlier this year, this is the year we'll start to see consistent majorities for independence. And I think we're starting to see that. And mm-hmm. it's important that we build on that. But eventually there's going to come a time when Boris Johnson's bullheadedness has to be taken by the horns. You know, we, 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 there will have to be some sort of confrontation. At what point would you like to see that happen, do you think? I'd like to see it as soon as possible, mm-hmm. but realistically, well... That's my own personal view. I think, you know, we, we want to win. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's it's dangerous to say that there's a there's a sort of a magic figure in opinion polls that, that that's when we start to push for it. I think the more that... I think it's very obvious that the, 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 the tactic of the Scottish government is to basically allow the British government the rope to hang itself with and that is driving support for Scottish independence and I think what they are looking for is when we do finally have an independence referendum they want that to be a formality you know in the way that the referendum in 1997 was I mean there was no real doubt about what the result was going to be because Scottish opinion had moved very strongly in favour of 
a Scottish Parliament in 1997. So when we did have the referendum, you know, the it was it was a pretty safe bet what the result was going to be, as opposed to the referendum in 1990, in 1979, when it was kind of nobody really knows where it's going to go. And I think that's what the Scottish government is aiming for. They want to build support for independence to the point that when we do have this democratic event, that it's a kind of a a safe bet that we're going to vote yes. I'm not so sure that's going to happen. I think an awful lot of people aren't really going to change their minds until there's an actual campaign. You know, and that's what my concern is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I would be very surprised if there's an independence referendum this year. Nicola Sturgeon says that she's still not ruling it out. Uh, I think it's going to be difficult. But paradoxically, the more support there is for independence, the more it builds in the opinion polls, the more entrenched the opposition to it is going to be from Westminster. Because it will mean they're going to lose, mm-hmm. you know. So it'll build the political pressure in Scotland, but it'll also increase the, you know, the opposition in London. But at some point, something's got to give. And I think it's better us taking the initiative than having it forced upon us from the outside. And I think at some point, Boris Johnson's hand has to be forced, you know. And there's various ways we've already discussed that, that you know, how that can be done, whether that's by... You know, a referendum without a section 30 order or a plebiscite election or something along those lines. So eventually, at some point, Scotland's going to have to take the initiative and say, look, we're just not going to take no for an answer anymore. But we'll see where we are. But, you know, I always have to remind myself that the people who need to be persuaded, it's not the likes of you and me. You mm-hmm. know, it's, it's the... It's the soft nose and the, the wavering voters of this world. And I think there's still more persuasion that could be done in order to give us a firmer base. But also the more that we can persuade people to support independence, the more chance alternative strategies are going to have a success because people will support them. It was very interesting what uh, that opinion poll that Scott goes popped at when I was away about, yep. you know, who would you know, would you support a referendum without a section thirty order and a clear majority of people said they would. That was a very, very interesting finding. So I think that's the kind of route that we're going to have to get down eventually. But in the meantime, there's various hurdles to get over in the shape of a looming trial and things like that. Yes. And I suspect that's why Nicola Sturgeon didn't say, right, this is what we're going to do about a referendum because she wants to get that out of the way first because that's going to be pretty unpleasant, mm. shall we say. So, but on the, on the other side, you know, I'm very hopeful. You know, I do think that we're definitely moving in the right direction. We're now in a Scotland which has got three majorities for independence in a row, mm-hmm. you know, or 50%, 51%, 52%. We're moving in the right direction. Uh, and I think that the more Boris Johnson's government continues to commit unforced errors, like not informing the Scottish government about changes to immigration policy, and it, vast sectors of Scottish business which have previously supported Boris Johnson saying wait a minute this is outrageous this is terrible this is really bad for us that's going to continue to build support for independence and meanwhile opponents of independence have nothing credible to offer I mean Labour's still going on about their bloody federalism theory we know it's not happening it would have happened by now you know so I'm very hopeful and, and there's a great infrastructure for yes kind of in, as well you know, very much so so yeah. many groups so well organised and so well spread out 
constantly building it's, it's also that's going to really help as well I'm yes, sure definitely, um, definitely and that's one of the reasons why the, the you know Jackson Carl was so terrified of it I mean one of the interesting things was we discovered just how many Tories there are and it was what what was it again the figure the number of Tory members is called can't remember now it was just a few thousand but it was a tiny on the vote yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. the number of, number of people who were actually engaged <laughs> for the Conservative Party to vote Mm-hmm. in Scotland, you know, for a, a Conservative, a leader of the, of what should be called the English Nationalist Brexit Party, <laughs> really. The Scottish branch office of yes. the English Nationalist Brexit Party. Uh, it's only a few thousand. And the independence movement was able to bring out many times that number on a wet, windy day in Glasgow to march, mm-hmm. you know. So volumes. They just don't have the the boots on the ground that we do. Just, and that's one of the reasons why they're so afraid of it. Yeah, and um, just to round off as well, just talking about saviours of the union. Oh yeah. Do you want to flag up quickly to our readers the Incredibles, oh, new God. Marvel superhero group? So what's it going? What is the, the the superpower of the English one telling everybody else what to do? How does that work? Just, um, just in case people missed it, because that's not a stereotype <laughs> at all. The Scottish one. Oh no. So lock monster. Oh no, that's never a stereotype. <laughs> um, it would just. Our editor, Callum Baird, is a big Marvel fan, it must be said. Yeah. I, don't, I haven't spoken to him since this news. He's off. <laughs> That's he probably might, why he's he off. He might be off for this reason. <laughs> he's a bit hiding his head under the movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think he's more than movies. But anyway, it's the, the Union is, is, is this new group of Marvel superheroes teaming up with the Avengers. You've got um, Kelpie as the Scottish... Oh, no, fuck her off. Uh, with her, there's an amazing quote on Twitter. The Welsh ones oh, sings... Well, <laughs> oh, God. but um, I mean, the storyline's called Empire or something with a, with a Y. Um, the, the English one has a Union Jack on his chest, that naturally, because of course. Yeah. Um, now, the, the thing itself might, you know, make some points about the state of the Union or whatever. Um, we'll have to, have we'll to have see. see, but we have to see. I wouldn't be surprised. It didn't go down very well on social media. It didn't. <laughs> was a bit of a, a mishitch. So, God, even even literal superheroes can't save the Union. What a shame. What a shame. But yeah, and then of course there's been some other news as well mm-hmm. when I was away. Uh, the dog has to go to the vet. The dog has to go to the vet. Which is talking about saviours. Talking about saviours, thank you to that vet. Talking yeah. about superheroes there. <laughs> no, uh, I, he's, well, he's an old boy now. You know, he's 13. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he is getting on a bit. And I noticed when we went on the march in Glasgow in January, it was a really nasty, unpleasant day. And he did have his doggy coat on and all that. But. Uh, I took him home afterwards because he was obviously knackered and he was struggling with the stairs. You know, he was he was really stiff, uh, and he's said, you know, he's 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 getting on a bit. You know, mm. that's the thing, and he's he's definitely beginning to develop a bit of arthritis. He also has some problems with his teeth because I can't brush his teeth; he won't let me. Uh, with dogs, you have to get them used to that when they're puppies, and obviously, and they're had ginger when he was a puppy so I never had the opportunity to, to get him used to it so he just wouldn't let me brush his teeth and he had to have a couple of teeth taken out last year and he needs another couple taken out so that's happening on Tuesday I had him at the vet yesterday she said that the arthritis that he's got is very very mild uh, she gave me an anti-inflammatory both for his teeth and also for his arthritis she said that she doesn't think he'll have to stay on it all the time just yet though the arthritis I mean obviously it will get worse as time progresses uh, so she's recommended a joint supplement which we're starting them on um, but she did say that 
if she didn't know how old he was, because like I said, he's at least 13, uh, she would have thought he was a much, much younger dog because he is very, very healthy. He's got a heart like an ox. Mm-hmm. He's got, he's a good weight. He's, she said, he's obviously very well cared for. Oh, yeah. Which I was pleased about. Uh, much loved as well. Yeah. And so he'll definitely be with us for quite some time to come. But yeah, so I just thought I'd let you know. G- Ginger will be in an independent Scotland. Oh, well, yeah, that's his role in life. That's mm-hmm. his goal, that dog. You know, that's what he's here for. <laughs> <laughs> that dog is to see us into an independent Scotland. But no, he's, he's he, like I says, he is getting on a bit and needs a bit more care. You know, but he'll be with us for a while yet. And we will be with these podcasts. We'll be we'll be back next week. I think we'll round it off there. So thank you for listening, everyone. Thank you, and we'll speak to you all next week about more nonsense, no doubt. No doubt. Right. Bye for now. (laughs) Bye for now.